0: Last week we studied the first parak of Halel, uh chapter one thirteen in and I gave a quick introduction to Tehilim. I'm gonna to add to that introduction a little bit um today, and we're gonna look at the second parak of Halel, uh, which is very likely the key parak in the whole section of one hundred thirteen through one eighteen that we refer to as Halel, as we call it Halel Mitzrayim. This is the only parak that refers overtly to Yitziah Mitzrayim, uh, if it does, and that's something we're gonna to have to discuss. Uh, but it's a well known peric. Um and um again, a question that, that I touched on last week that we always have to think about when you're studying T. is who wrote the Peric? Now who wrote the Peric doesn't necessarily mean you can get a guy with a social security number, but it uh, but you could question like at what time period or from what vantage point was the Peric written. We have numerous Prakim that, for instance, reflect on something around the destruction of the Nikdash, the destruction of Yishalayim, like Ayintet, and of course, Kuflam and Zion, famously. Um, some that seem to be reflecting on a prosperous, robust city of Yishalayim, like Kufchafbet and others. Um And uh the question is, is this something that's written at the time of Yitzhiat Mitraim? Is it written as a historic reflection? It's really unclear. But uh, again, we face uh, the problem we face often with these sort of texts: is the more well-known a text is, the harder it is to teach, because we know it so well, we don't realize how well we don't know it. And this one, when you see it immediately, I don't know about you, but all tunes spring to mind, and memories of a seder spring to mind, and memories of dancing and with the high school boys during Hallel. You know, it's like it's got all sorts of great associations. Uh, that it's hard to, to look at it as a text to analyze, but what we got to do. So we'll spring right into it. But say, Israel mi bet Yaakov I'm first going to do what we need to do with any parak of teilim, and just quickly, schematically, any time that that we study uh, teilim, we have to ask three questions, and in cases like this, a fourth question. Um, the three questions you got to ask are the three goals you have are, first of all, what do the words mean? Right. Second of all, what's the structure of the psalm? And because it's poetry, it's got a structure to it, a poetic structure. Three is what is the message of the psalm? What's the point? What's it trying to get across? Is it thanksgiving? Is it requesting? Is it amazement? Is it, uh, dismay? What might it be? Worry, anxiety. And fourth, in the case of many psalms, you have to ask, what is its place in the liturgy? So if you're studying, for instance, uh, I don't know, Paragdalat of Thielin, you don't have to ask that question. It's not used in our liturgy. If you ask Paragvab, you might also ask, why is it used by Ashkenazim for Tachem, as an example? So here, besides the three main questions you have to ask anytime, time, you also have to wonder, what is this doing? And the, the, the reality is it should be pretty, pretty obvious what this is doing as a part of Hallel, but there may be something underneath the text that gives it even more meaning and relevance to hallel than that. Okay, so we'll take a look at the text. Our first job is to go through it and translate the words. And of course, we all know the words because we all have said Yisrael, let's just see. Uh and along with reading the words, we're going to also notice some nuances about the about the words that are kind of odd. Bet se'yisrael mi mitrayim Yaakov mi'am lo'es. Right? So, we'll translate that when Yisrael left Mitzrayim, Beit Yaakov, the house of Yaakov, from an amlo Right now we're going to translate that as a nation that speaks a foreign tongue, amlo Perhaps that's what it means. Um, you notice that this opening of a parak is very odd. First of all, Betzayt Israel Mitzrayim, which is a clause that means that when this happened, so we're not given any introduction to what it is that's happening or why it's happening or who's involved. It's just it happened. It's an odd opening. What's a much odder opening about it is who is missing from this first pasuk? Think that's about right. the right. Think about the introduction to Serata Dibrot. Anochi adamai elrecha elrecha shir tzaiticha meir tzvaim meitav adim yitzchak mitzvaim is the biggest point of our kodesh baruch tax. And here it's p'tseitis from mitzvaim meitah akov mayam leis ki ilu They got their visa and they left. Right? There's no first of all no miracle. Second of all no yad hashem. And Israel left mitzvaim. So we have to keep that in mind as we move ahead in the in the parak. Second thing to look at here is just, it's not a question, but it's something about the nature of biblical poetry. We talked about it a little bit last week. Here it comes really full force. This parak is a great parak to teach Shira uh, Mikra'it. And you look at I, I broke up the lines that way so you could see um, this parak has perfect, perfect um, parallelism, tikbolet, and a great way to teach it. All right, what is the parallel to Yisrael in the second half of the Pasuk? Yaakov. Okay, it's actually Beit Yaakov. Beit. Right? Parallel to Yisrael is Beit Yaakov. What's the parallel to Mitzrayim in the second half? I'm I'm So, what's missing in the second half of the Pasuk that's not paralleled? It's eight. It's eight. And this is something that we refer to as gapping, in this case, forward gapping in. In song, in poetry, which is when you have a word in one half that's not represented in the other, it's carried over. We have countless examples of this, like Tov lehodot Zamer yon. The word Tov is left out of the of the um, of the second half because we understand it's v'tov And again, you look through Telem, you'll see it happens quite frequently. Uh, and so it's Mitraim, Yisrael mitzrayim, Yaakov Now, why doesn't it say that? Because what's the most important consideration in Shira Mikrait? It's not rhyming, which in English is usually the chief consideration. What's the consideration? It is meter. And in normal poetry, not in kina poetry, but in normal poetry, we want to maintain the meter. So Israel Yisrael, Mitzrayim, Beit Yaakov, Me'amloes, and therefore to add B'Tseit in there would disrupt the meter. And uh, and Yaakov is never presented alone; not usually presented alone as Am Yisrael, but rather Beit Yaakov. And we'll see. There's another reason why the author, why the author uses Beit Yaakov here. All right. So we we understand the the structure of this pasuk, and we understand the relationship of the first and second half to each other. Again, we have the bigger problems, which is where's Hakodesh Baruch Hu in the picture? And also, why is Mitzrayim being described as an Amlo ez? That's an un- unusual and really unprecedented uh, reference to Mitzrayim. I continue. Haita Yehuda Likhod Yisrael Mamshalotav. So at that point, Yehuda became his holy one. And Yisrael, again, Yehuda and Yisrael has parallels, sort of. Mamshalotav means his rulers. Right, so what this seems to be describing is that as Bnei, when Bnei Israel came out of Mitzrayim, they suddenly attained the special status. Now, by the way, Likud show is his holy ones. Whose holy ones? His rulers. Who, who's, who's rulers? Clearly, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But notice, Hakadosh Baruch Hu's hiding behind this psalm. There's a reference to him, but he's not mentioned at all. Right, so it's odd. It gets odder as we move on. How are you defining that phrase, though? How are you the Kodesh? became his holy one, his Kodesh. Became? Became. Okay. Right. And then Yisrael became, again, Hita is gapped, became his rulers. Uh-huh. Again, whose rulers? Whose holy one? I kodesh Baruch so Right. Why is he mentioned? Right. And then... Hayam ra'avayanos. So there's several things that have happened when Am Yisrael left try One is they their status changed. The other is Hayam ra'avayanos, which means yeah. the sea saw, we have to have fun with that, and fled. <laughs> now, which sea are we talking about? The Yamsuf. We assuming we assume we're talking about Yamsuf, but is that an accurate portrayal of what happened based on the text? Hayam ra'avayanos. It makes it sound like the sea on its own fled. Whereas the whole point of Kriyat Yam Suf is that Baruch right. Hu made it go. And now Yisov How did the Yardain get into the story? That's 40 years later. And by the way, what did the Yardain do? Yisov Le'Achor means it turned backwards. It reversed direction. That's, by the way, not accurate to what it says in Sefer Yoshua Gimel. Where the Yam just stopped, the Ardain stopped up at Adam and started building a, a wall. It didn't move backwards; it just stopped and built kind of a, a dam of water. But again, the critical thing is that what's happening here, Hayam Ra'avayanos, the sea. Even if you want to say this is an accurate description of what happened in Yam Suf, it's giving Yam Suf all the credit and the Ardain all the credit, which that's not what happened. And we continue on, So mountains danced like, um, like uh, rams. And, and hills danced like little sheep. What's that talking about is a little unclear, and we'll get to it. But the first of these descriptions, which is Hayam and Hayardain, is something that we have in our text, but different different cause and different manifestation, but we know about the sea and the Ardain splitting. We don't know anything about Harim, Rakdu, Ched, we don't know where that is. What's that reference referencing? And things continue to get strange. Ma Lechahayam which means we've gone from an eyewitness describing some strange natural phenomena to an involved, curious, perhaps concerned onlooker, who turns to them and asks, Malacha Yam Kitanus, Hayardain Tisov And by the way, why you, why the sea, why are you fleeing? And why the you Why are you turning back? And again, we're gapped. It's Malacha Yam Kitanus, um Malacha Hayardain There's a lot of words that are missing, that are assumed to be there. And he continues, Heharim Tikdu and again, this is part of the question. So, why mountains? Why are you dancing like rams? And why are you hillocks dancing like little sheep? And why the repetition? What? Why the repetition yeah. again? There's it's not a repetition. If you look at this, these lines, and the next, that Pasukah and the next, it's describing something happening. And it's continuing from uh, the pasuk before. So if you have pasuk which is pasuk gimel hayamra avayano seden harim akdu describe phenomena that have to do with seas and mountains. And the next two pasukim malach hayam and harim akdu is a conversation between the mishorer the author and these things that are acting strange, saying why are you acting strange? Uh-huh. And then they give an answer. So the seas speak, the Jordan speaks, the mountains and the hills all speak. And what's their answer? And of course, this is poetry. So in poetry, animals can talk, and the sun can yeah. talk, and the heavens can talk, and we can talk to the heavens, and we could stand in your slime and talk to the king of Ashur, and he's listening. This is poetry. So their answer is, from the presence of the master... Who aretz, would seem to mean the one who shakes the earth? Mecholel. We're going to see something else when we can move along. Milifne Yaakov. Right from the the God of of Yaakov, but the presence of the God of Yaakov. In other words, we ran away because of this presence. And haofchi, and this takes us back to last week. If you remember, I mentioned that in poetry, you often have an enclitic yod which is a yod at the end of a word, which is not really part of the word, but it is poetic. Like, Agam which, which is He's the one who changes a rock into a lagoon. Ha'lami the Ma'ino Yod Vav, is also in clitic. It's mayan. He changes a flint stone into a spring. And that's the whole parrot. So we know the words, the structure actually is fairly straightforward, the message is really confusing, very hard to figure out. Again, we won't have much of a problem figuring out what it's doing in Hallel, but we got to figure out the message. So I think it's pretty easy to see the structure of the psalm, and it's very, very um, schematically easy to see, is you have a psukim, in which each two psukim form a stanza. And the first stanza, we'll take a look at it back here on the first page. The first stanza is describing what happened, meaning describing the historic event. Amisrael left Mitzrayim, and they became close to God. They became adopted by God, as it were. And then we have two psukim that describe crazy natural phenomena, the sea and Yardin, and the mountains and the hills. And then in the third stanza, we have a conversation between the onlooker and the sea and the Yardin and the mountains and the hills. And then the fourth is the answer. Okay, the, stru- the, the, the the structure is easy to see. Well, what the heck is going on? So there's an interesting story behind Parshanut on this Midrash, which really has benefited many of us in, in, in different ways, directly and indirectly. Um You've all heard of Aliyah Tanor. You're wondering how Aliyah Tanor gets into this year, but you've all heard of Aliyah Tanor, I assume, and we had Zold, which was something that was started in the 30s in Israel, which was really an attempt to get Jews to leave Europe because of a sense by the Jews in Israel of what was coming in Europe. And the Jews in Europe, for the most part, didn't want to leave, specifically the Jews in Germany. So the Aliyah Tanor was, um, was an attempt at least save the remnant. And the and the guys was, we're going to have a bunch of young people come to Eretz Yisrael and to build the land and to be educated in the land. And the idea was, of course, then they'll be here and they'll be saved. And tens of thousands of young people were saved from the Shoah as a result. And very quickly, overnight, in the early 30s, there were all sorts of little youth villages called Kriyat Noar, Kriyata Noar, that were built for the purpose of... Uh, of absorbing them and setting up schools. And at the same time, there was a need to get teachers. And um, so the Hebrew University was one of the sources of finding teachers. And they had a, a young instructor in literature by the name of Arye or Ludwig Strauss, who was um, a young German Jew who was part of a nascent Chuva movement in Germany. And he would made Aliyah. And he was teaching, and he'd been trained in Germany, and he was a professor of literature, and that's what he was doing, teaching secular literature. And he was drafted, I believe it's actually Nechama Zal who drafted him, uh, to come and teach teachers uh, for the Al Tanor. But they needed someone who could teach Tanakh. And he said, what do I know about Tanakh? It doesn't matter, you know literature. Tanakh's literature, so teach Tanakh. And he did. And he, well, the first thing that he produced in this area was a small booklet called Al Shlosha Pirkei Tehillim. He analyzed Tehillim using tools of literature, and that actually started the ball rolling for a whole approach to poetry in Tanakh, which was grounded in kind of general approach to liter- to literary uh, study, the study of literature, uh, and of course enhanced because it's Kodesh. And of the three Prakim that he wrote of, one of them was this, B'Tseit Yisrael Mimitzrayim. And he points out several things about the Perek that we've already noticed that are kind of odd. And he says, if you think about the Perek, the Perek seems to be based on the beginning of Perek Yod Tet in Shmot. And here it is. You notice that we have B'Tseit Yisrael Mimitzrayim, which, of course, evokes for us B'chodesh HaShishih B'Tseit not Yisrael Mimitzrayim. Which is Mount Ar Sinai, and there we have. Remember, Betziki told me time Beit Yaakov Me'am Loes, and that's the, the place where we're called Beit Yaakov. Quote the Beit Yaakov. Tzar got her name from this. Beit Yaakov comes from here. Beit Yaakov. And now, Me'am um, Loes. What's Me'am Loes? So in that same description. God says, I lifted you on wings of eagles, Okay. and now when we get to please take a look at this related pasuk in the This is in the curse. God is going to bring a nation from a distance, from the end of the world, just like an eagle flies, perhaps here it's a vulture, Goya And how's he marked? A nation whose language you won't understand. And so you put all that together and Mitzrayim becomes an Amloes. That the mark the marked feature of our relationship with Egypt is that we were we didn't understand the language. And we didn't and we didn't know them. Now, Haita Yuhudal Likotho, Yisrael Mamshalotav. Now Likotshow and Mamshlotav are not the same thing. One of them is a measure of sanctity, and the other is a measure of political rule. What was stated at that point, Look at that. You're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So you have both Mam Shalotav and Kod right here. And so Strauss points out that the wording of our parak seems to be building on the story of the arrival at Har Sinai. Right? Now, um, it still begs the question... What's going on in this parak? Meaning, where's God in this parak? So he he has a a beautiful take on it, in which he makes the following claim, and I'll show you because I I kind of mapped out his approach here. He says we start, but say and you notice that Akkordesh Baruchu is not mentioned at all, not even in, as a reference. That Am Yisrael leaves Mitzrayim, and then in the second pasuk, Akkordesh Baruchu is hinted to you, show But that then moves to the following thing. What happens when God's presence is felt? Suddenly, the sea and the Yardin flee, and the mountains start jumping around. Now, just parenthetically about mountains jumping around like, uh, like animals. Evidently, and I've never seen this, but when animals are outside in a storm, they dance like breakdancers. They just dance frantically. they kind of, kind of uh, lost their free will, and their bodies sort of spasmodically move. And the description here is that the hills and the mountains move like that. Now, what scene in Torah does that remind you of? Mount Arcaina. Mount exactly. And that's, of course, where this whole thing starts. Let's say, which means. Strauss's take is that this is a poetic description of Maman Har Sinai. Am Yisrael gets out; they get there; they become and Alkodes Baruch is like, right now, kind of hiding. And what happens as a result? The sea, river, everything's fleeing. Now, of course, we have the problem here is that the Arden. Why is the Arden part of this? And then we have this conversation back. But notice what happens, and this is he says is, is so brilliant is the literary strategy of this is to become more and more compact, meaning fewer words saying more things. So notice, and I put them in small print, and then is really You have three words in the Pasuk that represent six words. And now, again, three words that represent six words. And here it gets even more fun. You got three words that represent seven words. In other words, the text is compact, meaning it's holding way more in it than is readily apparent. Okay? And that brings us to God now coming out of the shell. What's the answer of the mountains and everything? Why are they freaking out? Because. Adon And now, may not mean the one who shakes the earth, but rather the one who gives birth to the earth, as in mecholel uh, ayalot, right, to give birth. Milifnei Eloha Yaakov. Here he is, the God of Yaakov. And what is God's big claim to fame here? In this whole story, how hatzur agam He turns the rock into a lagoon. By the way, where did that happen? That happened at Har Sinai. What? Uh-huh. Go ahead. No, no, that's no, that happened in Arsini, when Moshe took the stick. Mm-hmm. Remember, the, just before the Lake uh, the story, right? At Rafid, at, 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 he goes up to the mountain and, he, and then the, um, and, and the water comes out. He hits the rock. Chalamish, <laughs> the a small stone becomes a spring. So this is now talking about HaKodesh Baruch changing nature. The question is, is this the story of Moshe, or is this something else going on? Because the interesting thing is that now HaKodesh Baruch Hu is being explicitly presented, and none of that even hinted to as Hatzur, but the Tzur, of course, is primarily the rock, is, is being brought out openly. And now it takes us back to the beginning of the parak. The end takes us back because who took Bene Yisrael out of Mitzrayim? You only discovered it at the end of the parak, and suddenly you look back and say, "Aha!" But safety, Israel, Mitzrayim is Botsi Hashemet bnei Israel Mitzrayim. Botsi Hashemet bnei Yaakov me'amloays. Hakodesh Baruch Hu lakachet Yehuda lekodsho ve'asami Yisrael mamshalotan. Hakodesh Baruch Hu is active, but Hakodesh Baruch Hu is because what's happening is this parak is using compaction and putting many great things into small. Again, by a lot of words into a few words. To represent HaKodesh Baruch whose presence there is manifest in making all this happen, but compact. One way of looking at this parak. Um Mayor Vice Shalom was a, uh, a professor of Tanakh at Barilan for I think it's actually at Hebrew U, for a long time, uh, from Yidd, Hungarian Jew, wrote some very important books on studying Tanakh. And um and he wrote also on this, and he mentioned Strauss's approach. But he had something else to add to it. He didn't really detract it, he had something else to add to it. So if you take a look at it, we mentioned already that there are several problems in this parak because they don't seem to be talking about events that we read about in the context of Itziat Mitzrayim. The mountains down sounds like a really poetic way to talk about Harsinai, but the narrative of Harsinai never actually mentions that. It mentions smoke and uh, fire, and lightning, but the mountains don't move at all. And the Ardain, of course, is not a part of that story at all. And beyond that, something we asked at the very beginning is, the sea doesn't flee, and the Ardain doesn't turn back. God makes the sea split, and God makes the Ardain stop. Which led Vice which to suggest that this parak is actually not talking about mama, about Yitzhak Mitzrayim per se, but about something much grander. And I get grander than Yitzhak Mitzrayim, but what I mean by that is but rather it's describing the, the, the manifestation of God's presence in the world, or God becoming manifest in the world, and the way that creation responds to it. I'll show you a key pasuk elsewhere in Tilim that will help us. Right here in Tilim Ayin Zayim. Ga'alta you redeemed your nation with your strong arm. B'nei Yaakov v'yosef selah. again. Beit Yaakov. mayim Elohim. The water saw you, God. Ra'ucha mayim yachilu. The water saw you, and they shook off your tomot, and the chasm started shaking. Meaning, when God is present in the world, and this is something you see at the beginning of Shirat Devora, and you see it uh, at the beginning of Zotah Whenever God's presence is felt in the world, the world just crumbles. Everything shakes, and and so vice suggests that this parak uses Yitziat Mitzrayim as a model, but it's really more about what happens when God's presence is manifest. And now we'll read it through a last time and get an appreciation for one of the many ways we could see this parak. When Am Yisrael came out and became wedded to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, became connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, became the representatives of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world, what was the reaction of the world, of the physical earth, to this to this revelation of God? The answer is the world can't take it without freaking out. Hayam Ra'avayanos. <laughs> what happens when God appears? The sea turns backwards. By the way, the sea turns backwards means... The sea goes against its nature. Because the sea flows in one direction, it goes against its nature. And more to the point, the Ardain flows uphill. By the way, does that remind you of a famous story in Chazal? Rebel Yezer, the sea flows uphill, the river flows uphill. Why the mountains? Because think about it, what are mountains? Mountains are the most stable thing we have. Yeshayahu says, Ki mutana Even when the mountains fall, my love will never fall. Why do we pick the mountains? Because the mountains never fall. They never crumble. The most stable thing, and what happens when God comes? They start dancing like crazy animals. And so we turn to the sea and say, why are you freaking out why are you turning backwards mountains why are you dancing why are you going so against your nature and the answer is because when god's presence is felt in the world all of nature becomes subjugated to that but all of nature has an ecstatic reaction where even the non-sentient the rocks of a mountain and even when when the animals sense this they are ecstatic and they lose control. And so, what we're what we're now stating is that B'tseit Yisrael mi Mitzrayim. Am Yisrael coming out of Mitzrayim should not be understood merely as a geographic move, as a political move, or even just as a religious reidentification as Semim becoming Am Hashem. This was a revelation of God on Earth, and all of Earth just lost its ability to control itself lost its sense of place and of, and of parameter and ecstatically enthused at the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, we take a look at that within the context of Hallel. Remember, the first parak of Hallel was everybody should give praise to God at all times and all places. God is way above, God is transcendent, and God and yet, yet God is imminent. Remember, we ended with God is imminent. And then we get to the core parak of the whole halal, which is why we on like Hillel, and we include it in Magi. Which is we describe that this event that we're re experiencing a week from tonight, imagine that, that we're re experiencing and that we're and that we're reliving and that we're yearning to be part of is an experience in which all of creation loses its boundaries and loses its sense of place because it, it's a Baruch manifest in this world. And we, us, little Am Yisrael, we are the focal point of that entire thing. It all starts, with, Yisrael beit and that gives us a sense of two opposite feelings which go hand in hand, which Hallel is designed to 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 internalize for us. One is the majesty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Another is the very limited uh, finitude of Amisrael Yisrael of us. We're individuals. Not of Amisrael, but us as individuals. We're just regular humans. We're not capable of more than that. And yet we are the ones who were selected by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And when he acted to bring us out, then that great manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world shook all of creation up. And that certainly should be an inspiring point to then say Birchata Gula Bethemalay Ubelave Malay Simchad as we thank God al Gulatenu, the Al Padun of